Welcome to uh, episode three of And Then an Aeroplane, a podcast where we watch Ghibli movies. The the Disney of Anime Rewatch podcast is a tagline we came up with and I've never used. No, we thought about it when we were some brainstorming <laughs> names. Uh, I am uh, Autumn and my co-host, as always, is M. Uh, hi, we're here to talk about movies. I love movies. Yeah, yeah, I love movies, love anime, love the marriage of the two. Uh, this week we're talking about Castle in the Sky. It's a good movie. <laughs> um, it was Castle in the Sky is the third, the first official Ghibli movie, like the third in the like unofficial Ghibli movies. It was uh, released in '86. Uh, it was directed by Miyazaki. Uh, you know, produced by Takahata, who is like the main collaborator. Written by Miyazaki, music by Joe Hisashi, the guy who's on all these movies. Um, yeah, a lot of the usual suspects, just, um, but this time they're actually Studio Ghibli, finally. <laughs> M, do you want to do the summary, or do we want to... Yeah, look, I, can do, I can do a brief summary. So this movie okay. is about a young girl named Shida, uh, who at the beginning is escaping from a government agent uh, named Muska, who sucks. And uh, <laughs> pirates break onto the ship to try to get at something Muska has, which is this amulet that she takes with her. She falls to Earth and lands in the lap of a young boy uh, named Pazu. Uh, they have some antics as the pirates and the soldiers are both trying to get a hold of them. Uh, the pirates turn out to be kind of hard of gold, ne'er-do-wells. Uh, the government agent turns out to be real evil and captures the two kids. Uh, and they all find out that this is like Sheeta and the amulet are away to this mysterious floating city called Laputa. And there is mystical technology there and they want to go and get it. And the pirates want to go there because there's supposedly treasures untold there. Uh, and everyone makes for it in their own way. Uh, there's like a big like two faction race to get there um as the military and the pirates are both on their way uh they reach the big uh, floating castle in the sky of the title and it turns out that laputa is both real and a deserted like technological ruin uh just an overgrown garden watched over by sentry robots uh, the soldiers show up and make a whole mess of the thing. Uh, Muska, the government agent, uh, forces, uh, Sheeta to help him activate everything. Turns out the giant floating castle in the sky has a giant floating death ray, and he's gonna use it to rule the world and reestablish himself as the heir to Laputa's legacy, because both him and Sheeta are from Laputa, or descended from people who are from Laputa. Uh, big twist. Uh, the pirates and, uh, Pazu stop all this. Sheeta, uh, decides it's worth sacrificing, uh, Laputa to keep it out of Muska's hands and destroys a good chunk of it. And the rest of it floats up into space as everyone lives happily ever after the end. It's a good movie. Have you seen this movie before? Yeah. I this might be the movie I've seen second most of all the Ghibli movies. Oh, okay. Um, I don't even remember the first time I've seen this, but I've seen it off plenty of times. I've seen it at theater twice. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's Spirited Away is my number one in terms of like time scene. Uh, mm -hmm. 
but this movie uh it's weird because like i like this movie a lot um we're about to talk about it i think i like it a lot less than everyone else who's watching it uh for this podcast (laughs) i think it's fine um i i think it's too long and it has too many moving parts and i think the messages aren't as good as the prior movie um the problem Mm -hmm. is when you're following one of the greatest films ever made and you're just a good movie Mm -hmm. it looks much worse by comparison (laughs) (laughs) so yeah this was my first time through it and um in the first hour, I was, like, really bowled over by how much I liked this, because I felt like I felt like I have not heard this movie talked about as much as Nausicaa or Spirited Away, mm-hmm. um, and so it kind of snuck up on me. And then in the second hour, I started to feel that, like, oh, there's a lot of, this is still going, okay, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff, I don't think there needs to be this much stuff, but I still had a really, I think it's a very good just, like, adventure movie yeah um, i don't think it's more than that in the way that nausicaa necessarily was yeah uh before we get too deep into talking about themes and stuff we might as well run down <laughs> the cast of this one right. i told you to watch the uh japanese version of this and i think you yes. did right yeah yes um uh, we Nora and i have been watching the dubs generally but when you told me like that there was a lot of changes. We just decided to watch the subs this time. Uh, it's. I also just think the uh, dub is not as good. So this dub was produced in 1998 um, by Disney, uh, which was a long time ago now. And <laughs> because Princess Mononoke did so poorly, they didn't release it. They were going to do a big release just like they did with Mononoke. Mononoke didn't do as well as they thought. So they basically shelved it until in the post-Spirited Away world, everyone was all about uh, all this Ghibli stuff and they... Ghibli. I said I wouldn't do it. Ghibli. Uh, And they dusted off this old dub and they put it out. Uh, Interestingly, in that time, a lot of the dub stars had become much bigger deals, which also Mm -hmm. helps. Uh, So running down the cast, we have Pazu, who is the boy. Um, And the thing with these is uh, Pazu and Shita are much younger in the Japanese. I think it works a lot better for the characters. They're aged up quite a bit in the English version. Um, Mm -hmm. In the Japanese, it sounds like I would put them at like 12 or 13. In the English version, the actors and the sound that they give them is more like 17, 18. And I think it really upsets the emotional tenor of the movie. And it doesn't fit their character designs at all. No, especially Pazu. little clips of them, yeah. and I'm just like, that is not the sound that that little boy would make. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Pazu, who's just a little orphan boy who loves helping all the people in his mining village, uh, is voiced by Mayumi Tanaka. He is known for Monkey D. Luffy. Maybe you've heard of him. Oh. Uh, Krillin in Dragon Ball. Uh, and one that will come back when we get to uh, another cast member, uh, Rock in Mega Man Legends. I don't know if he's called Rock. Okay. I haven't played Mega Man Legends, but he plays the Mega Man character. Okay. Um, in English, he is voiced by James Vanderbeek. Uh, worth noting, this dub was made, uh, before Dawson's Creek aired, and Dawson's Creek was over before it came out. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> yes. <laughs> huh. Um, okay. Shida, the princess, is voiced by Keiko Yokozawa. Uh, she's mostly known for her role in Doraemon, which is a show I know nothing about, despite its nothing. ubiquity. Uh, she plays yeah. a character named Dorami. Uh, and she also plays a role in Mega Man Legends. So they okay. reunited these two characters in Mega Man Legends, in Japanese at least, which sounds cool. Huh. 
Never played Mega Man Legends. <laughs> um, Anna Paquin voices her in the English dub, uh, has a very, she's, uh, New Zealand, she has a New Zealand accent naturally. Uh, her accent is all over the place in this movie. Someone told her, I, I, it sounds like someone told her to try to hide it and she aimed at Southern, which is what she did in X-Men, which was Ooh, not out yet, no, obviously. No, no, no. Um, she, at this point, had been an Amistad and an adaptation of Jane Eyre, uh, but, yeah, X-Men was a ways off. But by the time this dub came out, she was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Dola, the pirate captain, the best character in this movie. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, she's voiced by Katoa Hatsui, uh, who died in 1990. And uh, IMDb mostly has her listed in a bunch of movies that don't have titles and I've never, or like English titles I've never heard of. Uh, they suggest that she was mostly known for a 1975 movie called uh, Shiosai. Um, in the English version, she is voiced by Cloris Leachman, uh, who's stealing the entire movie out from everybody, uh, known That's for, good. uh, Mary Tyler Moore show and Phyllis mostly. She was in Young Frankenstein. People know who Cloris Leachman oh, is. Oh, right. Okay. I opened this Wikipedia page. I know who this is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then we have, uh, Muska as the general. Uh, or the government like agent guy who is running the military in this. Um, in Japanese, he's voiced by Minori Terada. He is mostly known as a villain in Toku shows and like a narrator in Japan. Mm. Makes sense given his performance. He is mostly yeah. like a very calm person. Uh, this is maybe the reason I dislike the dub the most. In the dub, mm-hmm. he is voiced by mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, just doing his Joker voice the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so you sent me a YouTube video, um, that had a extreme, like, 2000s special feature on a DVD yes. vibe. Yes. <laughs> and Mark Hamill like does the voice and it's it's shameless. Like <laughs> it's wild how much it is just the Joker voice. Yes. There is um gosh, Nora and I had to watch this clip like four times because it was this weird mix of like, oh, we're so endeared by Mar- Mark Hamill just being himself to the max all the time and also he's ruining this character <laughs> yes uh and the last character is general moro um who is the guy in charge of the military that muska basically like kicks out and ends up killing by dropping from the sky uh in Japanese, he is played by Ichiro Nagai, uh, who is known to us as the narrator and Degwin Zabi from Mobile Suit Gundam. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh! Uh, he, <laughs> Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, he's Cherry in Urusei Yatsura. He's Corin in Dragon Ball. Uh, for this podcast relevant, he is Jodo, uh, the uh, butler in Cagliostro. And he's also oh. the dub voice of Yoda, like to this day, seemingly. Huh. In Japan. Um, and right. in, in uh, English, he is played by Jim Cummings. I couldn't begin if we were here for six hours to list all the things <laughs> Jim Cummings has voiced. Uh, he is a Disney and animation staple. Uh, the things that I most think of him for is Dr. Eggman, Pete, uh, Winnie the Pooh's modern voice, Tigger, uh, the Tasmanian Devil, and most of the old people in Skyrim. Uh, and once you know what his voice sounds like, you'll oh. never be able to unhear it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't... oh no! <laughs> I've heard this name, but I didn't ever connect all these dots. You know? Yes. This sucks. Uh, yes, his uh, Wikipedia list is just like a list of every character, like a character from every show you've ever loved since like the mid '80s. God. Um, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's everybody. Uh, worth noting in the, the, the three brothers, uh, in the dub version are all very 1998 comedian choices. Uh, it is Mike McShane, Mandy Patinkin, and Andy Dick. Um, which is a lot. Okay. <laughs> Andy Dick not being the Andy Dick that we all hate as of the modern era, but, uh, it's no, it is obviously Andy Dick if you know what he sounds like. Okay. Um, I, thinking about where to start with this movie, you and I tweeted a little bit on Locked about this. Uh, we talked on the Nausicaa episode about how every video game is like ripping off Nausicaa a little bit. Yes. <laughs> every video game is ripping off Castle in the Sky in the biggest way. Yeah. And it's absurd. And it was like, I was really enjoying the movie and it was like beating me over the head with how much this is everything else and i know we talked about that so much with nausicaa but it was just wild how much this is in the dna of things yeah uh castle in the sky is as popular as that has infiltrated so many pieces of media um a bunch of anime uh, the thing i think of mostly is video games for this um yeah uh hironobu sakaguchi the creator of final fantasy said like yes this is why we have airships this is why there's crystals in final fantasy <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's, like, so much Magitek shit that I was like, oh, oh, I know this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lunar, uh, Skies of Arcadia, just all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there, was, there was a little bit um, that, like, I started laughing because, like, Pazu has to, like, jump from one platform to another and then scramble up it as it collapses. And I'm like, I've done this in Uncharted, like, 600 times. Yes. <laughs> Uh, even Disney and Pixar, like this site's that uh, they've like Atlantis and Wally and Up are all uh, Castle yeah. Sky influenced. So, yeah, Nora pointed out something that was like one to one a thing in Atlantis. I haven't seen that movie in since it was in theaters. Probably. Well, so. it's it's steampunk Pocahontas, so you're not missing a whole lot. But yeah, I didn't think I was. <laughs> uh, um. There's things there. It's also really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. Um, all over. Uh, a lot of the Wikipedia and some other stuff I googled calls this uh, steampunk a lot, and I guess that's true, but it doesn't feel like steampunk a lot of the time. Well, it's it's definitely me. it's definitely of a version of that genre, like pre the modern aestheticization of it, like where everyone turned right. it into like Victorian hats with gears on them. Um, right, like everything is steam powered here, but it's not like colonial <laughs> but yeah the thing i think of is like the mining town that lives entirely on the edge of a monumental cliff with huge bridges for the trains that roll in like how unreal right. that is um but how much it like works as a set piece to trundle some cars through and destroy <laughs> <laughs> so that's that was for me like the best part of the movie is the opening and the action sequences uh in the mining town Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a big part of why I like was blown away by this movie at first. And like in the three days since I'm like I'm a little low on that last hour of it, but like the opening, the opening action sequence, I think is like as good as anything we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the way it like slowly crescendos in like just more and more bullshit is getting piled on top of everything. Um, it's like, it feels a little bit like. Uh, this movie had a little more time in the oven than Nausicaa was allowed to have uh, because of how big of a success Nausicaa was. Um, and so just like there was probably more of an animation budget, it feels like. Well, I also think because it's not based on a book, uh, there's a lot right. more like set piece first design. 
to a lot mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Because you get that first big, like, military versus the pirates in the mining town sequence is, like, plot-wise is not particularly relevant. It is just there to be very showy and interesting as, like, an animation set piece. And it really works that way. The narrative is moved forward basically zero because all that happens is everyone chases each other until uh, the kids fall in a a hole and everyone leaves. It really feels like um, this movie is structured in, like, Set piece, plot, set piece, plot. Yes. And, like, the two don't really meet at all. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like Nausicaa, like, is able to bring the two together a lot more. Yes. Uh, and it doesn't have as many set pieces, but, like, the action, at least. Um, but, like, gosh, the set pieces are so good. The, the, the opening, like, raid on the airship, the, like... Uh, like them trying to break uh, Sheeta out of the fortress later on, like all of it is really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since we've been talking about like echoes of prior movies as we watch these, the Pi- Dolus pirates start out like the same way that the uh, the like military force in Nazca does, yes. where they are just a faceless force that rides up and swarms over the ship. Uh, this movie like then unmasks them and reveals them to be like the good-hearted idiots that you love by the end of it. Um, yeah. Uh, and I like that as like a evolution of this character type from a stabby European ninja to uh, <laughs> these men who are going to peel potatoes for this girl. Uh, <laughs> that all I kept thinking that like, she wasn't actually their mom or something, and it was like weird. But no, she's just their mom, and she's just a cool pirate lady. I think like she like her her pirates are all like diverse enough. Like there's like a black character and a, a Southeast Asian character that clearly are not her children. But the three main guys, I would assume that they're her mom. But also, she yeah. is the adopted mom of everybody. Right, right, and I think I think she's absolutely like steals every scene she's in like yes she's not quite the heart of this movie but she's like the most fun thing about it yes um, uh she just gets the coolest planes she gets all the like yeah she's super she competent to- <laughs> she's really funny like she cuts like a dashing figure whenever she like monumentally shows up like even when she's mm-hmm. just eating ham in uh pazu's hut it's incredible yeah. <laughs> like she just fills the frame and is like so imposing and funny and warm uh like the ways in which she immediately like takes a shine to sheeta and decides that she's gonna make her in her own image uh is all mm-hmm. very good yeah and the ways that she's like there's a there's a lot of like gender in her speeches to Pazu, but they're also endearing of just like uh, I'm gonna teach this boy how to be a man, you know, and like she's able to not make that like repulsive to me. Yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, which I also like. Pazu is just like the scrappiest little boy. There's so many different scenes mm-hmm. of him squeezing himself into tiny spaces. Like he scrambles around like he is like a small animal in a way that I think is very funny and good. Yeah, and I feel like um, he's very much like the Ghibli boy. Like I'm sure we're gonna see boys who are similar to him in these movies going forward i can't think of any off the top of my head but i know they're there yeah they're there i he's he's the one i think of as like the most prevalent though right i we kind of had that one boy who we never talked about in nausicaa you know but i feel like uh pazu is a much more endearing like take on just protagonist boy that they do yes i really 
I really want like a whole movie of him living in this mining town too. I like, I love the ways he interacts with his boss, where his boss is like a little bit his dad, also a gigantic asshole. Yes. Um. <laughs> the thing I like is uh, his dad. There's a scene really early on where like a bunch of men come up from the mines from this elevator, and they all come out, and they all just look like Batman the animated series Bruce Wayne. It's just a whole yes. cart full of yes. Bruce Waynes walk out, <laughs> and it's really funny to me. One, there's like a there's an episode of Batman the animated series where he loses memory and ends up in like a work camp that he just looks like this throughout the entire of that episode. Oh my god! But also like. Batman series, uh, and, uh, like a lot of Western animation of that time is definitely influenced by like Ghibli stuff. Like the, mm-hmm. ro- the robot in this is in Batman in multiple places, like a yes. design very much influenced by that. And you pull that forward into like Cowboy Bebop and Big O are influenced by that Batman show, which means they're also influenced by Castle in the Sky. <laughs> yeah. Um, did the, Robot remind you a little bit of Iron Giant in some scenes. I don't know why, but I kept like yeah, for sure. I uh, kept feeling like an Iron Giant vibe that I couldn't ever like pin down. Yes, my one of the things. So I uh, like I said, I'm a little more down on this movie. I think it's way too long for one. For yeah, it is. for sure. Um, and I don't really like uh, the Muska stuff. I think he's just a huge creep, and it's not particularly interesting. Uh, I think Ghibli movies in general have a problem with their villains feeling out of place for what I like about the storytelling that they do. Um, mm-hmm. But I do really like when a robot shows up out of nowhere, yes, and they have yes. to deal with the fact that there's just a robot now, and it's like kind of uncanny because it's so... It's, it feels organic, but not in the way that like the big, uh, robot in Nasca did. It's much mm-hmm. more of like, uh, like a Frankenstein's monster as a robot. Right. It is. Huh. Yeah. Um, because I mean, like, they find the one that's busted, that's all broken apart. Um, and they don't know what to do with it until she wakes it up. And then it basically proceeds to, like, be really nice to her until it's b- destroyed by cannon fire. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't know what that means. And so she's fleeing from it as it's, like, just trying to express care and it gets mad and destroys half the castle. <laughs> <laughs> um,. And then, yeah, we see another one just like it in the garden scene. And I think, like, the garden scene is, for me, the best part of the, like, back half of the movie. I honestly, like, they could have gone and seen that garden and then the movie could have ended as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, a lot to itself uh, uh, is basically just what if Breath of the Wild was an anime. Um, it's, yes. It's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I knew that was true because I've seen this movie and I've played Breath of the Wild, but coming back to this movie, like, even the, when they go inside the, like, core of, uh, Laputa and it's those, like, cubes that are floating through the sky it's and each cube the has the writing on it, it's just the shrines. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd. Um, yeah, there's, um, gosh, and I, all the, all the stuff of the kids exploring um, Lapita is like, w- like really grabbed me again. Um, after the like the dragon's lair set piece was like, I was checking my phone for a second. Um, I think like there's some stuff I enjoyed after it, but I, I do think that yeah, like the movie could have ended with just them seeing it and being like, oh, there's nothing here. I guess we'll fuck off. 
Yeah. Uh, there's um, like a really extended sequence of like airships battling in the clouds. The problem is we like th- that whole sequence basically exists whole cloth in Nosca already. We already saw it in a better yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, the thing that we didn't bring up there because there was so much more to talk about Nosca. And the thing I like about uh, Miyazaki doing these air battles is they are just filmed and paced like they are naval combat. Like, Clouds yeah. don't deflect bullets, but in real life, but they sure do in one of these movies where going into the cloud cover is basically like going underwater. Yeah. Um, there's also like, there's like so much gorgeous, uh, aircraft in this movie. Like all the battleships are cool. All the, um, like little individual f- fighters that Dola and her goons like start the plane on or start the movie out on yes. are good. Um, there's a lot of love in these things. And like, I knew that, but it was like, it really feels like it's out in full force in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think, I think maybe the little things that Dola and her, uh, and her boys fly is like the, my favorite plane that I've seen so far. Like the the little wappas (laughs) with the fly wings. Yeah. That, that sometimes (laughs) buzz like bees and sometimes glide and sometimes they rotate, I think. Yeah. Um, they're really good. I really they like the wampus. the crow's nest on the tiger moth being able to like extend up through the clouds, and yes, turn into its yes. own glider. That's all very good. Um, also, just thinking about like Ghibli things and things that are going to echo through the movies. There's the spider guy from Spirited Away just lives in the tiger moth. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's Dola's <laughs> husband. Yeah, he's, he just lives there and he's just, he's just like Eggman and Yeah, he looks way more like an Eggman in this, yes. <laughs> just like this tiny, uh, round man who's all mustache and glasses. Uh huh. And doesn't he seem particularly really impressed with Dola. <laughs> no. <laughs> it seems more like they're together out of inertia than anything, you know? Uh, yes, they're very cute when they're playing chess together. <laughs> Gosh, that, that that's the other thing is I could also do a whole movie or at least like 45 minutes just in the tiger moth of just like everybody just living there and having a good time. Um, yeah. The thing where everyone, like all of the pirates immediately see uh, Sheeta as like their new nice mother that they can have, mm-hmm. I think is really mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah. So the, the bit where they're all trying to endear themselves to her and like, the one guy goes in and he sees that another guy is already there peeling potatoes. Very sweet. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, that's one of the things there is. There's like a whole list of dub to sub changes because this was uh, this was a movie like back in the era where they did a lot more of that. And one of the like big major ones for this is the way that that's depicted in the English version. It's a little more like, oh, we're going to like we all have a crush on the girl. Uh, and the Japanese mm-hmm. version is much more like this is our new mom. I think even in the English version, it's very clear that's the way that they, like, that reading still exists if you know anything about anything. Uh, it's just, right. it's, it's a weird change to make. Um, but I do like how sweet they all are about, uh, the person they were literally trying to capture, uh, a day ago, uh, is now their, their new best friend who's gonna make them dinner. Yeah. Yeah, and giving them all a happy ending of like, oh, Sheeta and Pazu are just gonna hang out with these pirates now, I guess. Like, oh, that was sweet. Um, I really like, I think, like, their arc from, like, anonymous bad guys to, like, you know, com- companions to the hero is, like, the best part of this movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. I keep I keep feeling like there's, like, so much more I want to say, and also, like, 
there's not that much to say because it is just a good adventure movie yeah. you know um, uh, i really like the oh. last sequence where uh, pazu is running along the outside of uh laputa like bare feet trying to get stuff done getting shot at uh mm-hmm. I, like the imperilment that they put him through is just like way more than i typically think of of the genre um mm-hmm, like a soldier sure. literally shoots him in the face and hits his cheek and grazes it no it's like violent without being gratuitous uh it's right it's all very good stuff. There's also that outrageous also- sequence where he pokes up between uh, Dola's legs <laughs> and she she hands him a gun that she's hidden in her bloomers that's as big as he is. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and the, the shot of him peeking up is just, like, hi- hilarious. It's, yes. like, absurd and dumb and good. Um, and then, yeah, he gets this, like, comedy bazooka flare gun thing. Um, oh, I... Have totally forgotten to talk about the bad guy because I don't think he's interesting. Uh, Muska, yeah, um, no, he's not. Yeah, um, there was a there's a really weird bit where um, Sheeta shouts themes at him, and I'm just like, I didn't, was this in the movie? I don't remember. Like, well, so like the whole thing that the the movie is like about ostensibly, but it takes up very little of the actual screen time is. Like, the people of Laputa had all this technology and weren't able to use it properly, and thus they all faded away and either destroyed themselves or left, and now touching this new technology, or this old technology is opening Pandora's box in a way that I find, right. like, a really poor echo of the stuff in uh, Nausicaa. Yeah, and there's, like, a, a, her last line is about how, like, we can't be apart from the earth that feels like ecologically minded in a way that this movie just hasn't been in any way. Yeah. And um, also and like, like, also like they're, it's ecologically minded. And, but then her and Pazu fly off to go live in his mining town that is like extracting right. resources out of the earth, uh, to use in like steam. Like there's literally like a whole, like the, the, the nice conductor of the train when they're being pursued by pirates says, Oh, just go talk to the military. And like a steam powered train car. That's a tank rolls up and they are portrayed as the good guys until they start like attacking the kids. Right. Right. And it's not that it, I w- like gave it a little bit of credit when I first saw it. That's like, I think faded over the last few days. Cause, and I think like the credit I gave it was because I just watched Nausicaa and was like, Oh, this is like definitely in this movie, and I don't think it's in this movie. I think it's just kind of in the in the overall like all the work that's come before it. And mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. There's also the like the way Nos uh, Laputa is portrayed is it is this ancient kingdom that had all this technology. It's known throughout the societies as like parts of their religious like mythology now. Uh, there is mm-hmm. a line. Uh, towards the end where Muska, let's see, it's in here. Um, like he, he references the Bible says that, uh, uh, the power of Laputa was also known as Indra's arrow, which is, uh, like from Hinduism. And so you get this not quite ancient aliens, but like a precursor race because the magic is driven by bloodline and the technology. It's not just that the people had the technology. It's that they had the special blood to power the technology. Right. Um, and it's, and like, it's, they don't ever tell you outright, like, did everybody just leave Laputa? Did, like, did something, did some event happen? Like, it's not really clear about what the downfall of it was other than technology bad. Yeah. You know? 
um technology bad but also they like there's the good people who have the bloodline legacy and the bad people have the bloodline legacy uh mm -hmm. and the technology ends up like being too powerful to be used but in a way that feels much less thoughtful than like you know the giant nuclear robot that was destroyed the old world uh Mm -hmm. Because like the the like uh like Levistone thing in the middle of Laputa is seen as generally as like a neutral thing until it starts turning into a death beam, right? Like there's a whole structure here and the like robots living within the garden taking care of all the animals who live on the castle. It's like that's just a good thing. There's nothing wrong with those things. Um mm -hmm. And so, like, by taking a thing that you've already portrayed as value neutral, like, Sheeta uses the, her one amulet stone to get out of a lot of trouble being able to float when she falls too far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, that technology could be spread around and used for good in the right hands. It would probably be a, a much better for the earth than, like, steam engines and strip mining. Uh, but no, it, it's too dangerous. Must be locked away. They're like, there's just mm -hmm. a certain amount of like lack of care that Nasca does not have about these same ideas. Right, right. Like, and so yeah, I think like th this definitely holds together to me as a very good adventure movie. But it's it's not like anything more than a very good adventure movie. I think. Yeah. Looks um, great. It's mostly really fun. I like it a lot, but yeah. it's it's not it's no Nausicaa. <laughs> it's no Nausicaa. <laughs> Yeah, we have a ton of questions. If you want to send questions for these, this movie, prior movies, future movies, I guess, we won't open them until we get there, but you can send them to podcast at normalmapping.com. Um, we have so many. We have a lot this week. Uh, we have a question from Jess that is, why is this film so horny? And I don't understand what... Is this movie horny? I don't really feel like it is. I don't remember a single horny moment in this movie. Yeah. Uh, if you want to write in with a follow-up, we can cover it, but I don't I don't see it. Yeah, I don't... It is lost on me. Sorry, oh. Chance. Um, we have a question uh, from Zoe. Uh, I have one question for you, one question for me. The question mm -hmm. for you, if you were organizing an event at some sort of coffee shop dedicated to the films you've seen for this podcast, how would you embody each film in a tasty promotional beverage? Um, Castle of Cagliostro would just be like a very nice dark roast coffee. Just like that's all it would be. It was just a very nice cup of coffee. Um, uh, let me think. Nausicaa 
would be a hot chocolate with some vanilla in it. I don't know. This is boring, but uh, I feel like... I don't know. Anyway, uh, and Castle in the Sky would be... Hmm... Castle in the Sky, maybe something to reflect the minor town, and so, like, there's this really bad thing you can do called cowboy coffee, where you just, like, put the coffee grinds in the water and then try to boil it so hot that, like, you just don't get the, the grinds all sink and the water all gets above it and you don't get too many grinds when you drink it. That was my thought. <laughs> I'm not very good at this part, but, M, the question for you was... The same, but for snacks or tiny sandwiches. Uh, all right. I feel like uh, Castle Cagliostra, I'd probably do some sort of like macaron, but um, mm-hmm. like either they'd be gold, like gold dusted. I don't want to do like gilded because I'm not, look, I'm class conscious no. enough that I don't want people <laughs> to be spending hundreds of dollars on the desserts. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but just a gold color. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, for a Nazca, I feel like it's only fair to have like deep fried crickets or something. Um, right. Uh, and then for this Castle in the Sky, that one's way harder. Um, yeah. Because I don't really think of this as like a, I like he makes a he makes eggs at one point. He may, well he makes mm-hmm. a egg and then cuts it in half for the two of them. Which I don't know who you who's eating, but I've never <laughs> had half an egg and thought, well, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, no, I have to have three eggs. Like I don't know what this is. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, Lapta has much less of a sense of place than Cagliostro and Nausicaa do, which makes it a little harder to answer this for uh, this one. Yeah. Uh, the next question is from Nora. Do you want to read this one? Yes. Um, so, as always, Nora has written us, like, 6,000 words. Um, <laughs> it's, it's maybe I, 250, 300. <laughs> I'm being very mean to her. Um uh, so Nora Nora wrote us uh, a lot of reactions to the movie. I think she is a lot higher than on this movie than either of us are. Um, her questions: What's your favorite island from Gulliver's Travels? I have never never engaged with Gulliver's Travels in any way at all. I I read Gulliver's Travels in high school, like maybe my sophomore year of high school, and I don't remember anything about it other than it was the first time I'd encountered fiction that was about, like, it would be really bad if you live forever because you'd lose a zest for life, and I remember being furious about this i still think it's the <laughs> stupidest thing in the world because you know the reason is because i grew up watching groundhog day and you know what you get to do if you live forever learn how to ice sculpt learn how to play the piano learn how to be a doctor <laughs> there's so many cool things you can do when you can live forever the the amount of my interest can fill all of the space that in living forever might entail i feel like um mm-hmm. that's all i remember i thought Gulliver's child was kind of dumb as a teen but i haven't revisited literally since my british leisure class so <laughs> that is the one where he goes to the island and he's big and all the people there are small is that the one oh, yes that's one of the islands that's the lilliputians okay okay uh second question if you were an airship pirate what job would you want to have I think Ooh. I think I would want to be the cook. I like I like cooking. I like when people really appreciate the cooking. Um, I can I can make a stew. I can make eggs. I can do whatever. That that sounds fun. I really feel like navigating would be. I feel like I would get a lot of joy out of navigating um, and like steering that sort of thing. Like I'm always trying to like figure out like 
is it faster to go up the highway or like down the side streets, all that sort of stuff. So I think I would get a lot of fun out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to read our next question? Yeah, we have a question from Tilly. Uh, Cows in the Sky is one of the Ghibli movies I watched as a child. I vividly remember how my fifth grade teacher insisted on putting the dub on uh, with English subtitles as well in hopes that we'd absorb the subversion too. Rewatched last night and had a great time. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, questions. Would you show this to kids? Do you have any childhood experiences with Ghibli? And if not, do you think you'd have liked or appreciated it? Thanks for a great show. Uh, I would absolutely show this to kids to yeah. start off with. Uh, um, for sure. I think uh, I think there's other Ghibli movies I would show. I think you could do other movies at a much younger age than I think you would want for this one. Uh, just because, depending on the child, I guess. It's always depending. Like, I was like seven and watching horror movies because that's the kid I was uh, growing right. up in the early 90s. But I understand that's not everyone's experience with childhood or parenting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, I like, this movie totally would be fine for kids. Uh, as for seeing it as a kid, I... Uh, I saw Princess Monoke at like, when did that come out? Like, would have been like 97, 98. So I would have been 12 or 13. Didn't, or no, 13, mm. 14. Didn't really like it. But if I had grown up on like the more child appropriate Ghibli movies, I probably would have loved them. I've always loved, I like, I watched a lot of Disney as a kid. I like a lot mm. of animated movies. Always have. Yeah. I would have like, I think I didn't watch any um, Ghibli movies until I was a teen um, because, like, it was just not a thing my parents knew anything about and just wouldn't have shown me um, because I don't think, like, mate, like, it is possible that I saw Spirited Away in theaters when I was too young to remember it, but I don't think that happened. Um, But, like, um, I vividly remember for some reason... All of the Toonami promos for Nausicaa, for Spirited Away, um, for Princess Mononoke, like, that is, like, the actual thing that I think of when I'm, like, think of being really young and encountering Ghibli. I didn't watch any of those movies on Toonami, but I remember seeing the promos for them, like, over and over again. Um, to the point that I still hear Nausicaa in my head in the Toonami guy voice a little bit. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's my only childhood experience with these movies. Okay. Um, Rick wrote in to ask, um, I doubt I would have rewatched this without a, without a prompt anytime soon, so thank you both for that. What a splendid adventure film. Um, the, scene of the, the scene at the keep that is the center of the film is one of my favorite pieces of animation, and the robot is my friend. As for a question, Laputa is a location from a classic adventure book. If you could pick a classic book to get a Ghibli movie out of, what would you pick? I'm going to open Audible real quick and see if I can come up with a book. <laughs> I think my gut response is Around the World in 80 Days. Um, I just think it would be good. I don't know if, like, it probably would not address any of the problems with the text Around the World in 80 Days. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good adventure. Especially this era of Ghibli, I think they would have gotten a great movie out of it. Um I don't know what I, I don't like, know what cha- cha- uh, like classic. I guess Gulliver's Travels is not a kids book. When I think of it, I like I feel like it's like one of those school books. I don't know what classic books are anymore, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought of like like a lot of like sixties and fifties like kids books uh, when I was reading this just now, and like you know, 
we'll get there. Uh, and I don't think that movie has a good uh, reputation, but I do think that like a Wizard of Earthsea would make an excellent Ghibli movie. Um, they should make a Ghibli version of Hatchet. um i i also think like and this exists to on some level a a ghibli version of the hobbit would be really good Um, yeah i don't know if they'd like do better than like the rankin bass one but they should try (laughs) sure i mean like i haven't seen that rankin bass one like early ghibli animators are involved in that movie in some way are they um, i don't know it's been a year since i've seen it. i just have a soft spot in my heart for that sort of like kind of uh like ugly 70s animation because it, it's incredible it's genuinely incredible it's, it's top craft and if you go to um the wiki page for that hobbit movie it like mentions like these three people not like not like takahata or miyazaki but like these three people ended up being like storyboarders at ghibli or something okay so yeah okay uh we have a bunch of questions from tron thank you tron as always for writing in uh what do you think of the soundtrack of this movie uh we really didn't mention it much one of the changes and i couldn't find a good example of this because uh, i don't think it's i think it's just the same thing in both versions on the blu-ray but the original japanese version had far less music and they had joe hisaishi hmm. write more music in a more orchestral way than the original which was sparse and electronic and they just added more music to it so anytime it's it's sounds like nausicaa i assume it's the original soundtrack and anytime it sounds more like what i conceive of as like modern ghibli i assume it is the added one um yeah um i i generally don't notice um soundtracks in movies especially the first time i go through it um it's just not a thing i've ever tuned into uh and so i but the first time i saw nausicaa and when we saw Nausicaa recently, I was really blown away by the soundtrack. And then like in this movie, I felt like it was much more like, I didn't notice it nearly as much. There was a, there was a couple moments where it like kicked in and I was like, Oh, this is a good like cue. And then like, as it went on, I kind of stopped paying attention to it. Mm. Um, what did you think of the pirate crew hitting on Cheetah? We kind of talked about that. Yeah. Um, I, the, Let's see. Well, what was your funniest character or scene in the movie? Um, I think for me, I think the funniest, it's just like a little gag is the bit where um, he's poking up through um, Dola's legs and she hands them this gigantic gun. Like, that's really cute. <laughs> uh, the two for me is when uh, her like buff is son and the boss face off and they have the like shirt exploding pose down. Um, that's always mm-hmm. great. Especially when the boss's wife is like, I'm not fixing that for you after he bursts his shirt open. <laughs> um, and then there's the bit where Sheeta decides she's going to come on the pirate ship and uh, all the sons ask her if she knows how to make pudding. And they just go on this tear about desserts. And uh, Dola's like, what can I say? They just love dessert. <laughs> also, also the bit where um, Dola's like, got her car on the train tracks and like Pazu's like tried to stop her. And so she's got the boys out just like trying to tip these dumb, these train cars over the tracks yes. and then like is dri- driving the car, pushing the cart in front of her. It's very good. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, what was your read on the colonialism in the movie? Uh, they, Tron mentioned the Muska as a character who's like, you know, the problem is he wants too much knowledge and too much power. Yeah, um, 
I, I guess it's there. I hadn't registered it in my head as colonialism. You know, I just mm. had registered it in my head as like bad guy doing bad things. I, it's totally there. I just hadn't thought about it in that way. Yeah. The, the thing is like the narrative of the military wanting to like loot the treasures of an ancient like site, which is kind of what it is, is complicated when the site is like a super technology death ray. Right. 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 Um, because I think, I think the like weird murky territory you come into when you get precursor race has a death ray that floats above the earth, uh, like makes colonialist reads difficult. Uh, especially since, a, oh, go ahead. It's just like, that's not what actual colonialism was like, is like. And so it's really hard to like map those things onto each other yeah also the military proper is played in this movie as like a huge joke like they're just buffoons to get mm -hmm. mowed down because muska's like actual knowledge being like from this place as much as Sheeta is is the actual like villainy of the movie uh which definitely complicates any sort of colonialist narrative you could have here because mm -hmm. they're the magical race that can run this place Right, exactly. Um, um, which character had the best facial hair in this movie? Um, I really liked Uncle Palm's beard. That's Tron saying that. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked the uh, brother with the big beard. I don't remember which brother it was, but he's great. Yeah, no, that was, that's what I was going to say, too. Brother with the big beard. Um, I did not like the brother with the weird two-pointed mustache. Wasn't as into that one. Yeah. And then oh. um, the last question, did you get emotional when the green robot gave the flowers to Sheeta? Uh, my destiny, my partner turned to me and was like, this is where the Minecraft thing came from. And I was like, yep, it's where the <laughs> Minecraft thing came from, because uh, it is. The Iron Golem carries around a rose in that because of this movie. There's um, it's either some squirrel foxes from Nausicaa run around on the robot. And so it's either a squirrel fox perches on the shoulder or a bird perches on the shoulder. But at some point a little critter gets on the shoulder and Nora was like, Hey, that's a uh, bastion from overwatch. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, I did get all emotional when the robot gave, uh, she to the flowers. It's good. It's a good bit. I love when the robot tries to understand people. Yeah. Um, and then the last email is from Adam, uh, which asked, did you get super tense the first time you watched this movie? She didn't pause. We were frequently put in physical danger in a way we feel we don't often see in shows intended for younger audiences. They also had a PS of being underwhelmed by Nausicaa. Uh, they sent in that email about it last time, but then uh, revisited it and enjoyed it quite a bit. So I'm glad nice. our podcast could help. Thank you. Uh, I definitely feel, especially in the last half when there's a lot of guns around, that they they do a, they put those kids through a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't ever feel like tense because like, but I remember I remember saying out loud like, I know he's not gonna die because they're not gonna kill this kid, but like this feels rough. <laughs> it's like as he's like dangling off of you know some bit that's collapsing, then falling into the ocean. I was like, oh, this is. This is rough, you know? Um, and I never felt tense because I always knew it was going to be fine because this, like, I knew this just wasn't that type of movie. Mm. But there was a little bit of, like, I mean, like you mentioned him getting, getting shot in the cheek at one point. Like, it's just a little, it's a little more, like 10% more than I would expect from, like, a normal kids movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, Muska does 
Im- like hold Sheeta hostage through half the movie and imply that he's going to murder her. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like there is a viciousness to that character that is uh, definitely like different in tone than a lot of the stuff in all these movies so far. Yeah, he like when he's holding Pazu too. He's like, I don't want to hurt Pazu, but like I'm fine with hurting Pazu. And it's just like, okay, I didn't expect you to say that. I thought that was going to be implied. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like there's a there's a certain like villainy given that he is menacing a bunch of children that like the Count of Cagliostro doesn't have because he's like a you know a cartoon count in a giant cape saying those things right. when it's like just a guy in a suit and sunglasses. Uh, because this is the modern era, it's much more sinister to me. <laughs> There's a lot of bits, um, just speaking of him being in a suit, which I was laughing at because you would see the pirates in their ridiculous get-ups, like, shooting at just random dudes in suits, and, like, the two con- the contrast of the two types of people was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I is that our last question? Yeah, it that's was. it. So, as always, podcast at normalmapping.com if you have questions, comments, whatever, about any of the movies. Um... Next time, we're all going to have a great time. One of the most Uh cheerful movies of the Ghibli oeuvre. Uh, We are watching A Grave of the Fireflies. I just... I'm going to get through it. We're all going to get through it together. And then we just don't have to watch Grave of the Fireflies again. None of us have to ever do this again. (laughs) It's a great movie. It's an incredible movie. I'm not excited to revisit it, but I'm glad that I will revisit it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I will you, say I don't intend to watch this one twice. I'm probably just going to watch it the first, the nope. one time. <laughs> it no, doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have twice. like one of those like curiously interesting stacked Disney casts. Uh, the dub is from 2012 and is like a Sentai Filmworks dub. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like, it's weird they got all these people for this. Uh, and that's half the fun of the like Disney era Ghibli dubs for me. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up, um, I think I've only ever seen this movie in Japanese. I'll probably continue watching it in Japanese. I might dip into the English out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, if people don't know, Grave of the Fireflies is a really brutal tale of like two orphans living through World War II in Japan. And it is very, it's like, you maybe you should go read a list of content warnings before you watch this movie. Just like prepare yourself to be beaten over the head with sadness. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I'm not here to it's like. A, it's yeah. a great movie. It's a great movie. One of the best. But, uh, it, but it, yeah. it's a lot. Uh, and we'll talk about that next time. So until then, yeah, until plugs. Then. <laughs> where can people find you, Autumn? I'm at Allison underscore coffee on Twitter. There you can find uh, my pinned tweet, which will take you to Export Audio the podcast or Export Audio the Patreon. Um, Export Audio. Uh, is finding its rhythm again um, as we've just moved in together and are figuring it out and I think it's at a really good place right now generally um, um, yeah. where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being uh, I'm on so many podcasts but the one that I'm going to plug this time if you go to abnormalmapping.com where you can find all of my fine shows uh, including this one uh, you can go to your uncle's beach house which is a anime podcast that we do for our patrons when people are certain tiers they get to request shows and we recently did an episode on Satoshi Kon's Paranoia Agent which is an incredible show uh, and I think a really good episode so I would suggest people listen to that one yeah, I'm a. I have Paranoia Agent, and I'm planning to start it soon. So hopefully, I will be able to listen to that soon. Uh, Beach House is great. 
Uh, yeah, uh, we don't do it too terribly often because it, it is dependent on people asking us to do stuff, but um, mm-hmm. it's fun. It, it, people have picked some incredible anime. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The people should just go look at like what anime y'all have covered. It's good. It's a good list of anime if you're just looking for stuff to watch. <laughs> two of my favorite shows of all time have come through Beach Houses. So, heck yeah. Um, I guess if we had a sign off, this is where we would do that. Sign offs are so difficult. <laughs> I'm